My name is Tom Ramey. Um, honored to be a member of this church um, for a long time. Um, my claim to fame is that I'm married to Gina for 36 years. Amen. We have two beautiful daughters. Um, where is Grace? There she is. And her husband, Andrew. And they're here today. They've got something going on in Tyler, and they're here this week with their two children. We have another beautiful daughter, Laura, who lives in Dallas and could not be more pregnant. <laughs> it's amazing how big she is. Anyway, um, and her husband, Carter, and we're also joined by the great, world's greatest father-in-law, John, and our niece, Chloe, who are here to be a part of what Grace and Andrew are doing. Okay. Uh, Stephanie read um, Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17. It's a lot. It's a handful. It's way too much for this morning. But I've heard some of the other elders, if they've come up here, and unfortunately, I'm the la- I think I'm the last, we get the dregs, and um, talk about what is the context of this passage, and it's extraordinarily important. Before going, I forgot, I left something out. Uh, we love this church, and we love Young Life, and this is the senior class, or some of them, at Legacy. We got one All Saints guy here. These, are, these guys are rock stars. And um, this is Mario Sosa right here that I co-lead with. He's a teacher at Three Lakes, and uh, we spend four years together. Right, guys? Four years. And um, it's a privilege of a lifetime to be with him. So back to Colossians, a little elude there. Um, the context is incredibly important. Um, because this passage represents an enormous shift in the text. So I'd like to do a little wordplay for a second here, as if um, we're talking about what happened in the context of Colossians. And the, the nut of it is this. Paul never went there. Colossae doesn't exist anymore. It's probably The church was probably started by a guy named Epaphras. We're going to call him Pappy this morning. So Pappy starts the church in this little town called Colossae. It is growing and it's booming, but Paul never went. He just heard about it. It's 100 miles due east of Ephesus. Paul gets thrown in jail. He's in Rome. He's in deep trouble. Epaphras is running the church and, in Colossae, and things aren't going real well. There's some, it's growing, numbers are increasing, but some things kind of got filtered into the deal. Pappy's concerned. He doesn't know what to do. He's frustrated. He's probably a little disillusioned. How do you lead a church? Now, a little interplay with the text, perhaps, but let's just say he says, I'm going to go see Paul in jail. Paul will tell me what to do. I don't know how to handle this mess we got. So here's perhaps what, how the conversation went between Paul and Pappy. Start with Pappy. Paul, he's in jail. Remember, he's in Roman jail. Paul, great to see you again, man. Paul, my brother Pappy, so good to see you. How's it going, man? And how are things in Colossae? Pappy, 
Oh, Paul, things are going great. Uh, but I might need your help on something. Paul, sure, what's up, man? Tell me what's going on. How can I help? Pappy, well, guys, Paul, even though things are going great and we're encouraged, there's some teachings that I'm afraid are a little off base, and I need your counsel on how to handle them. Paul, really? What teachings are you talking about, Pappy? Well, they're teaching that, that, yeah, that Jesus is the Redeemer and the Savior, but that sometimes we need some other stuff mixed in with it, like some, like some rules and some rituals. That some are teaching that Jesus is great, but they're adding some, some weird mystical stuff. Some are teaching that Jesus is great, but they're adding some philosophy from the Greeks. It's kind of like, well, Paul, it's kind of like it's Jesus plus something else. Paul says, uh, Pappy, what do you want me to do? Pappy responds, well, kind of, you know, Paul, I know you're here, but I was hoping maybe you'd write one of your letters, kind of like you did to the Galatians and the Ephesians and, and even the Philippians. Can kind of help me out with this deal? We got some problems. Paul says, make sure. I can do that. Let's see, I got a haircut at 10, pickleball at noon. Why don't you come back in a couple days, Pappy? Let me see what I can scribble out. Pappy says, oh, Paul, man, that's awesome. You're a rock star, man. I'll see you in a couple days. Folks, the result is the book of Colossians. Colossians 1 through 3, verse 11 it's very clear that Jesus and the Father are one. That God is, the, that Jesus is the Lord of creation. He is and always will be the one and the only head of the church. And he alone holds all this together. That only as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we as believers are complete in Christ. That only Jesus is the hope of glory. That, trusting, that a trusting belief in Jesus changes everything. That the believer has a new self. The Holy Spirit resides within the believer. And because of that, I can be different. There is absolutely no room. It is an abomination to add anything to Jesus. Not the words or rules or philosophy or whacked out attempts to add anything to Jesus. The Christian faith is not ever, not ever, not ever, not ever Jesus plus. It is simple. To know the resurrected Jesus, which is our big idea for the morning, that that Jesus in me is always enough. A whole bunch of years ago, I was a, uh, I'm not even going to tell you how many decades it was, but a whole bunch of years ago, I was a freshman in college, about a thousand miles away. 
and I had a big, I joined a fraternity, which was great, I loved it, and my big brother was a strong believer, a guy named Floyd Lewis from New Orleans, Louisiana, one of the greatest men that ever lived, loved Jesus. Floyd comes to me on Thursday, and he says, um, probably in the springtime, if I remember, he says, Tom, let's go to Lynchburg, Virginia on Friday night to a Christian coffee house, and there'll be girls there. I said, Floyd, I'm in like Flint. So it's about an hour's drive. So we left on Friday, and you drive over the Blue Ridge Mountain. It's only about an hour. No windy type deal. Surprised we made it a lot. Uh, um, and we ro- roll up to this place, and it's like this house in this woods in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I'm a little nervous because I'm a freshman, you know, and with an upperclassman, and there's supposed to be girls there. Christian Coffee House. So we went in, it was great, it was dark, some guy was singing Simon and Garfunkel or Paul Suki or something, and then there was like, you know, that stuff of the 70s and 80s. And, and, I, and Floyd says, come on in, Tom, have a seat. And there's a little round table. It's like, you know, one of these round tables. And we sat down, and he said, you want a cup of coffee? I said, sure. And I was kind of learning how to drink coffee. We, sure, I'll have a cup of coffee. He said, I'll go back. I'll go get you a cup. Just stay here. So we did. And it wasn't three minutes before Floyd got back with my first cup of coffee. Some girl sits down at my table. I said, man, this is wonderful. Let's do this every Friday night. And she said, who are you? I haven't met you before. Well, I'm just a knucklehead, I had hair. But I'm just, a, I'm just a guy from across the mountain, and we came here to this Christian coffee house. You, oh, you're with Floyd? Oh, yeah, I'm with Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, tell me, do you know Je- Yeah, Jesus, you know you. Young life and high, you know, all that stuff. She said, then she said the operative question. What well, do you have the gift? Huh? No, do you, you know, the gift. How do you use your gift? I said, what? I'm, now I'm nervous. And I said, what do you mean? I, I, I'm not trying to dance on the head of a pen. I don't know what you mean. Well, you know, if you're spiritually, this is her, if you're spiritually mature, you have the gift. I said, well, 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 what is it? What's tongues? I mean, how do you express your maturity in Christ by, by speaking in tongues? I didn't know what she was talking about. It was like I was on a deserted island. I said, I, I'm so sorry. She said, you don't know? Well, this is a sign of spiritual maturity when you speak in tongues. I'm sorry. I, I, she said, well, you need, by this time, Floyd walks up. Just, just almost this very moment. He says, Tom, and she said, Tom, Floyd, Tom doesn't really know about the gift and that it's a sign of, yada, yada, yada. You've heard me say it. And Floyd said, oh, okay. Well, I hadn't had this conversation with Tom. Tom, to go sit out in my car. Sit in the front seat. It was a 1969 Chevrolet Caprice. It was gold. I remember it's like it was five minutes ago. Just sit in the glo- in the passenger seat and get in a kind of a prayer position and just let utter syllables. It'll happen. I said, huh? Okay, so I went out sitting forward. It's 1969 Chevrolet Caprice. I tried. I uttered, and nothing happened. It wasn't long before Floyd comes out, gets in a 69 Chevrolet. I remember that, 69 Chevrolet Caprice. And he said, how'd it go, Tom? Floyd, I, I guess I, 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 don't, I don't know. Nothing happened. 
Well, you're just not trying hard enough. I was devastated. It's not that, because no one had taught me this, that it's never Jesus plus. I, I, I was, it's never Jesus plus. It's just Jesus. Because of the truth that Paul goes through in Colossians 1, 2, and 3, Paul shifts dramatically in, in verse 12, which is what Stephanie read a moment ago. In the way we, it has exclusively goes from our relationship with who is Jesus to how we relate to one another. This passage describes believers and how we interact, whether it be in a church or outside of this church. It is stunningly beautiful. It's Shakespearean in the way he crafts it. It's a very, very famous passage. It's one of the things you find at Mardell's or the Bible bookstore or wherever, and you put it on your refrigerator. People put Colossians 12 through 17. People use it in weddings all the time. Colossians 12, it's one of those great passages. It's rich, and it's too much for this morning. It's a string of encouragements of how we shall interact and relate to one another. It contains 13, depending on how you parse it, 13 encouragements with 10 verbs. Really? 10 verbs? And there's no way we can unpack it all in the next 15, 20 minutes. If Paul was here, yet the same guy we talked about earlier, I would raise my hand and say, Brother Paul, can you help a brother out? Can you take these 10 verbs and 13 encouragements and narrow them down just a little bit? I mean, can you take a stab at it, Paul? So we're going to take him up on that offer and see if we, in the next few minutes we can focus this incredibly ornate and beautiful passage, which is this dramatic shift in the tenor of Colossians, into three guiding principles that are derived from this passage, always, always with the overarching principle and the big idea that Jesus in, in me is always enough. Did someone not pay their bills? <laughs> Number one, feed, gentlemen, feed your soul. Some call it a quiet time. Some call it a Bible study. I don't give a rip what you call it. The Bible doesn't have a word for it. The, but the mandate is clear that we as believers in Jesus are called to regularly and consistently feed our soul with the truths of God. There are too many passages to read. There's no one technique. There's no one way that we're supposed to feed our soul. It's the beautiful freedom of the body of Christ. There is freedom as long as we're feeding it consistent with the word of God. David in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active. You know the word. You've heard the verses. Feed your soul. How we feed our soul is up to us in our own journey with Christ. David wrote about rising early in the morning, but it makes no difference. It doesn't matter when. It could be Bible study fellowship, women area, devotionals, Oswald Chambers, and Eric, this is for you, even Jesus Calling. There's never-ending list of tools. I, read, I saw a deal on Philippians. that, that it, There's no end. How you feed it, Scripture doesn't mandate, as long as it's consistent with God's Word. As a child of God, of the living God, feeding my soul, at seeking the face of Jesus in my private life is an honor and a privilege. What you do is your choice as long as you're led by his spirit. The world offers us nothing that feeds our soul. I promise you there is nothing in here that will feed your soul. I love Eric's teaching. He's a great guy. But coming to church once a week does not feed my soul. We have a bunch of athletes right in front of me here. It'd be like asking one of these football guys, play football without a helmet. One of these basketball guys or, or a tennis guy over here, play tennis without a racket. We got a great multi-sport athlete right here. Well, don't do, it, do all the sports, but don't have a ball. You, to, to walk with Christ, I've got to feed my soul. To live the life Paul so eloquently describes in chapter 3 demands that the word of God dwell in me richly. And the only way, feed your soul. It would be an awesome thing maybe to have discussions and conversations among us, the body, maybe in our small groups, maybe in these, by the way, these dinner groups are really cool. If, if you're not in one, you, I hope it's not too late to get, they're really cool. They'd be a great discussion. What, do, around the table as you eat, break a meal together, what do you do that feeds your soul in your walk with Jesus? My hunch is that we would all learn something and greatly encourage one another. If we share with, how do you feed your soul? I promise you, will all be different. And frankly, through the years, I change all the time. Number two, marker number two, if we're to live a life based on Colossians chapter three. Oh, brother, pursue Christian community. As believers in Jesus, we're called to live with other believers, to have people, to have people in our lives that speak truth into us. And that allow us to speak truth into them. Clearly this starts but does not, not end with being in a church. Being in a body of believers. A church based upon the word of God. Being a part of church is one of the most important things we can ever do as a, as a believer. The New Testament model is that we are meant to live in community with one another. 
and it is one of Satan's great lies. Oh, my gosh. It is one of Satan's great lies and deceptions that you or I can do this thing on our own. That is a lie. That we don't need others. That we don't need others to speak truth. Now, if I was the evil one, and I was charged with the responsibility to water down your ministry, to dilute you, to mute you, to lessen your impact on the world, you whacked out Christians, my number one strategy, number one, would be to get you alone. Isolate you from one another. Make you feel too busy. Make you feel you don't need one another. That you don't have time to be with others. To make you think that you could do it on your own. Isn't that a sign of strength? That input from anybody else is, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of below me. Perhaps even a sign of weakness. And then, as the evil one, I would do to you what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, see, chapter 5, I would prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone one at a time to take down. When the exact opposite is true. Fifty times in the New Testament, the phrase is one another. Almost 50. So being a part of a church is, is critical. The local church is God's plan for our lives. But to live like Colossians 3 goes deeper, not just showing up on Sunday morning. The video we saw was a great illustration of that. Deeper means being part of a small group or fellowship group. I don't care what you call it. Or it doesn't matter. Community group or Bible study, one that intentionally encourages me and you in our journeys with Jesus. One that speaks truth into my spirit. One that allows me to speak truth into your spirit. Any idea who, what was the first man's group, first small group, first small group ever? Acts chapter 1. The disciples are delusioned. They're discouraged. They're hiding in an upper room. They're worried. Sounds like somebody's been isolated, right? First Peter chapter 5. Jesus comes to them as they're discouraged. He suddenly shows up, and the first thing he says, now this is really interesting. I never really heard a sermon on this before. He says this, whatever you do, whatever you knuckleheads do, you 11, which is soon to be 12 again, whatever you knucklehead do, knuckleheads do, don't leave each other. Hang together. Something big is about to happen, and you need to stay together. Over the remainder of Acts 1 and 2, the theme never wavers. Be together in community. Encourage one another. Stand in the gap for each other. Speak truth into one another's lives. Never waver that Jesus in me is always enough. There's a fascinating story in Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to make this about 
brothers, and I'll make this as brief as I can. I'm going to deviate here to make it shorter. Peter and John are going to temple. Two guys together early in the morning. They see a lame man who's been lame since birth, begging like he does every day. Everybody just, you know how you just ignore him, you don't look at him. Peter and John, wait a minute, they take a different approach that day. They walk up to the man, again, Acts chapter 3, the lame man, you can read it. They walk up to the man and they get in his face. I promise you they only got in his face, they got down on his level. And they said, man, listen to us. No, no, look at me. You're not looking at me. Listen to me. No, 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 no. Look. They grab him by the arm. That's not your arm. It's your leg. But I can't reach your arm. It's Mills Walters. Great guy right here. They grab him by the arm. And they say, man, we ain't giving you no money. But what we have, we're giving you in the name of Jesus. Now get up and walk. They spoke truth into his life. They got on his level. It was dirty. Fingernails were dirty. I'm sure he smelled the high heavens. And they got in his grill. They grabbed him and said, this is truth. Stand up and walk. And he did. What you don't hear is it's a few, few, few verses later. Acts chapter 3. There, there's a little prepositional phrase. And it says, while Peter and John continued to support him. While Peter and John continued to support him. He's walking. But this is what community does. Sometimes we have to get in your grill, speak truth into your life mills. Life mills but we never stop supporting. He was walking. But Peter and John continued to support. So are you in a small group? One that speaks truth into your life? One that speaks truth or one that just meets to chill and socialize? I'm in a fantastic group on Tuesday morning. Meets one four below us. Ross Strader, group of young guys. I'm clearly the oldest dude in the group. By like 20 years, maybe 30. What am I saying? 30 years? Bunch of young guys trying to figure out marriage trying to figure out careers, trying to figure out life. It's the richest. I cannot wait till Tuesday mornings. Ross Strader is extraordinary the way he leads these young guys, speaking truth into their life. I'm also with these knuckleheads, with this guy right here. Campaigners with Young Life. It's school, it's parents, it's girls. It's sports, it's girls. It's grades, it's girls. It's college, it's girls. They're never going to remember a word we ever say to them. That's probably good. We give them the gospel. I pray, Mario and I pray, they will never forget we love them. If you do not have a group that is meeting your needs, you need to talk to Elder or an Elder or Mark or, 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 or excuse me, Mike or Eric or somebody. 
to go one more day not in Christian community not only inhibits your living like Colossians chapter 3, but you are vulnerable. Finally, a third marker for the life lived like Colossians chapter 3 comes from another one of Paul's writings, but he refers directly to this passage, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, quote, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only with you the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Giving away our life is so often inconvenient, but it's eternal. Giving away our lives is often so expensive, but it's eternal. Giving away our lives messes up our schedule, but it's always eternal. Giving away our lives is not what I want to do today, but it's always eternal. Again, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only with you the gospel, but our lives as well. We've all heard countless stories at Bethel about instances of believers giving away their lives. But one needs to be told today. It was June 27th, like 12 days ago. June 27th, Barbara Flory sent out a text at 6.52 a.m. to five guys. In it, she said, Mike, who, who of course, they live here, Mike works in New Mexico, in Carlsbad, New Mexico, had slipped terribly coming out the stairs from work that morning, and really, little did we know, but really messed his knee up. I mean, like, you know, Barbara can, but nevertheless, she said, I can't get him home. He needs to see a doctor. This is at 6, what did I say, 6.52 a.m. Monday morning. Tomorrow will be two weeks. One of the persons on that text chain at 6.52 in the morning was Doug McSwain. He's sitting right here. Little did any of us know that 30 minutes before, Doug had been having his quiet time, feeding his soul. That sounds familiar. And he had asked God, what do you want me to do today? What can I do today? 6.52, we get the text that, Mark, that Mike is messed up. I mean, he, and he was, by the way. 30 minutes passed. So we're loud about 7.30-ish. Doug... Text Barbara, I assume, privately or whatever, or with us, and said, I'm going now to Roswell. Get me to Carlsbad. We'll figure it out. Mike could not walk. He could not get in and up. He couldn't get in his truck. He couldn't do anything. He was truly incapacitated. In 30 minutes, a ticket is bought from Tyler to Dallas, Dallas to Roswell. Someone's going to pick up Doug, drive him to Carlsbad. They'll figure it out when they get there. 
You think this is inconvenient? <laughs> he does it. Someone picks him up. A co-worker, Mike, picks up Doug. He goes to Dallas, then to Roswell. Am I saying this right, Doug? Am I doing pretty good? Okay. He gets to Roswell. Too bad if not, I'm still going to say it. He gets to Roswell. Somebody picks him up. They drive him to Carlsbad. Mike's messed up. Man, he needs to see a doctor now. Not exactly a great doctor, apparently, in Carlsbad. I think they gave him aspirin. They figure a way to get Mike into the truck, Mike's truck, with Doug. They, about 6 o'clock Monday night, Monday night, like two weeks from tomorrow, they, they leave Carlsbad, New Mexico, and drive all night long, nonstop. They arrive in Tyler at 3 a.m., Tuesday morning, they get, him, they get him in to see Coltman. Coltman gets him surgery that night. It's messed up, baby. I'll tell you how bad it was. The quad was separated from the knee. Pretty rough. They get him in for surgery. Coltman's the gene. Get him in for surgery that night, and it's done by Tuesday night. That is giving away your life. Barbara had no place to turn. How are you going to get a guy who's basically crippled home a nine-hour drive? We not only gave you the gospel, but because you had become dear to us, we were willing to give away our life. Now, we can't do that to everything. But Doug woke up that morning and said, what do you want me to do today, God? I think God had a plan for Doug McSwade on the 27th of June. So to live a life consistent with Colossians 3, feed your soul. Feed your soul. Number two, embrace Christian community. We need people that speak into our lives. And we can speak into their life. And number three, when the Holy Spirit leaves, leads, be willing to give away your life. I'm going to read the passage and we'll be done. Would you please stand? Therefore, it's God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive with whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to, to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with the gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Feed your soul, 
embrace community, listen to the Holy Spirit, and above all, Jesus in me is always enough. You're dismissed.